Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. continue a message that I started last week. Uh, If you're taking notes and you want to write down the left-hand side of your paper, the word friends is an acrostic. Uh, Miss Emma, I've I've told y'all before, Miss Emma's, uh, she's in in my fan club. I could could make a pile of rocks in in the parking lot out there and she'd say that's the best pile of rocks there ever was. And so she told me last week, she called me, she said, whenever you said write friends down on the side of the paper there, she said, I wrote F. I said, thanks, Miss Emma. <laughs> she said, I knew you wouldn't get past that one, so she didn't even write anymore. So anyway, nice to know everybody's kind of got me figured out. But anyway, we're talking about friends, and we're in uh, John chapter 15. As I have shared with you many, many times and shared with you last week, if they ever come to get our Bibles, I'm going to beg the book of John. And if they ever uh, say, well, you can't have the whole book of John, I'm going to ask for chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters that there is in the Bible. And uh, you know how, how favorite verses go. There was a little lady one time, she was in a nursing home, she'd been widowed for years, and so uh, they were, had a new preacher in town, he was coming to do a Bible study, and he said, let's just take a minute, we'll go around the room, and you give your favorite scripture. And so everybody's, you know, John 3, 16, the normal stuff. Well, it gets to be her turn, and she says, um, my favorite verse is where it says, if any man will come after me, let him. (laughs) So anyway, sometimes our favorite verses are kind of geared toward what we're thinking. But John chapter 15 is a very important portion of Scripture. And Jesus says this, beginning in verse 12, and he's going to have it on the screen for you. He said, this is my commandment, love each other. Love each other, not shove, love, amen. Love one another, How, how are we supposed to love? Go back, how much are we supposed to love? In the same way I've loved you, rot, roll, roarge. (laughs) That's a lot of love, amen. So love each other, not just a little bit, not just a little dabble, do you? Love each other in the same way I have loved you. What does that mean? Putting that person before you. Honor one another. Exhort one another. Lift one another up. Pray for one another. Bless one another. Encourage one another. And oh my goodness, we could spend the rest of the time right there and never duplicate. There's so many things that the Lord says for us to do for one another. If we're, if we're a believer, you know what? The Jesus in me can love the Jesus in you. We may not agree on everything. Fact is, let me just go ahead and say this. We'll never agree on everything. That was a pretty, God thinks that. I'll give you one more chance. We'll never agree on everything. But the one thing we can do is love one another. There is no greater love, this is verse 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's what he's about to do here. So we'll back it up to verse 12. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. Verse 13. 
no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Wow. That gets deep pretty quick. Two verses, and we're already really, really deep in this. So he goes on. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command. What is his commandment? Okay. Love one another, but if we go a little deeper than that, whenever he gives us what, what we refer to as the great commandment, whenever he's asked, Lord, what is the most important commandment? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? So there's three people involved there. It's the Lord, it's our neighbor, but it's also ourself. Hard to love other people if you can't love yourself. Amen? So he's telling us here, if, you, if you're my friend, you're going to do what I command. So what is the greatest command? Love the Lord, love your neighbor, love yourself. Okay? So he says, you're my friends. If you do what I command, he goes on in verse 15. I no longer call you slaves. In other words, we're not working for the man. Amen? We're supposed to be working for the man, but it's out of the love that we have for him and not as slaves. Because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. In other words, if you've got somebody working for you, that word slave sometimes kind of throws us off because we think about slavery. But basically, in this day and time, it was, it was not uncommon for a person to sell themselves into slavery. Some people got conquered in war and got sold into slavery. But sometimes people, if they grew up in a household that didn't have a lot of money, didn't have an inheritance... They would sell themselves into slavery so that they could learn a trade, so that they could gather up some money and eventually come out on their own. They'd sell themselves for different periods of time, years sometimes, sometimes maybe a decade. But they were working for him. It's just like how many of you work for a corporation of some sort? Okay? Do they call you up and say, hey, what do you think about this? We've got an opportunity to do a little bit of business here. No. No. Essentially the same thing. You're working for the man. They don't call you and consult you. Why? Because you're, a, we'll put it in air quotes, a slave. You're just working there. And he says, but a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friend since I've told you how much? Everything. Cover to cover. Left to right. Upside down and backwards and sideways. He's told us everything that he's thinking. So he's calling us friends. He's written us a love letter that we tend to call the Bible, proven that we're his friends, proven that he's telling us everything that he knows. Now, again, I, I said it last week. It, he says, whenever they pressed him about when is your kingdom going to come, he said, I don't know. Not, not even angels in heaven know. Only my father knows. And I believe that Jesus loves us so much and loves us enough that should the Heavenly Father tell him when that day and hour is, he would pass it along to us. Amen? And as I said last week, there wouldn't be any empty chairs on the front rows. It'd be chock full, standing room only, because if we knew that day and hour and we published that, hey, this is when the Lord's coming back, guess what? Everybody would be punching their clock with God. And so he says, I'm telling you everything. Now you're my friends. I've told you everything that the Father's told me. Verse 16 makes it very clear. You didn't choose me. 
sometimes, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, we call it making a decision for the Lord. But you know what? He made a decision about us a long time ago. It says that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So in other words, before he ever said, let there be, he chose us. Wow. You can spend a lot of time right there. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. That's the great commission. We've had the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now we get to the great commission, and that is go and make disciples. Go to all the world. Go to all the nations. Teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. Okay? Back to the other verse. If you love me, you're going to do what I command. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go, produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Verse 17, this brings it full circle. This is my command. Love one another. Let's pray. We'll get into the word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything you've, you've showed us. You've showed us the heart of the Father you showed us your heart, and you have given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So we thank you for caring that much. You are an awesome God. And we, just, we are humbled in your presence. We are honored by the fact that you would come and spend a little time with us, and we just appreciate everything you do for us. Open up your word. Let us be able to understand it, and, and not only just understand it in our heads, but understand it in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, in advance for the great things you're going to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So we started last week. Miss Emma said she put down F on the, on the card, so she knew I'd only get one point. But it is, number one, focus on what is important. I talked about it a lot last week. Be, be prepared. If you weren't here, you can go catch it on, the, on the Facebook at FWC Beaumont here in a couple of weeks. But it is focus on what is important. I think far, far too many times we tend to major, major in the minors and we need to be majoring in the majors. Amen? Love. That's the most important thing. Again, that's his most important commandment. So we talked about it last week. I won't review. So you can catch that if you missed it. R, and friends, if you're spelling down the side of your paper to be friends, F-R-I-E-N-D-S, on the side, left-hand side of your paper. We're going to make an acrostic there. So number two is renew our commitment. And one of the things that, um, that I think in this day and time is we've got so many things that vie for our attention. So many things that are calling out and crying out to us. I mean, how many of you, you know, your phone does one of those. And the first thing you do, man, I got to get that text, got to get that alert, got to get that phone call, whatever it is. And... Man, we are quick Johnny on the spot with that. But what about when the Lord says, I want you to do something? What about you see somebody in need and how you need to stop and help them? How many times have we just kind of ignored that? And you know what I'm talking about. It's not an audible voice from the Lord. It's that little, that little something, something way down deep inside that you get that unction. There have been times in my life I've shared with you many of those Whenever I would get that unction and, I, and I'd resist what the Lord was wanting me to do, 
And ultimately, I would give in to it because, you know, you don't want to wrestle with the Lord. You end up walking with a limp like Jacob did. But here's the deal. We need to renew our commitment to the Lord like we renew our commitment to our phones or our, or our friends. Or Sometimes I think in, in the scheme of things, we treat those that are the, the nearest and dearest to us the worst in the world. I've dealt with couples and marital counseling, many, many sessions of marital counseling. <clears throat> and one of the things that I have said to a couple is if, if they're having trouble and they're kind of crossways with one another and they're yeah, yeah, and at one another and this, that, and the other, but what about this and you always do that and all that kind of stuff. One of the questions that I ask them is, would you ever treat, I ask them to name your best friend. Name your best friend in this whole wide world. Would you ever say to them what you said to your spouse? No. Then why are you saying it to them? And sometimes we, the Lord is our best friend, and sometimes we treat him the worst in the world. Sometimes we treat the Lord like we would never treat anybody, a physical human being on this earth. Sometimes we treat the Lord like a spare tire. Sometimes we have what I call spare tire religion. How many of you, you got up this morning and you said, aha, I better check the air in my spare tire. Some of you would go out there and be surprised that nowadays they're not even putting spare tires in cars anymore. But we don't, we don't think about it. When do you get out the spare tire? Or when do you discover that you don't have one in your car? In case of emergency. I mean, you know, you see those fire extinguishers in case of emergency break glass. And you get in there, because I, I worked in a plant, and I know how many times we'd get those fire extinguishers out, and you'd go, that's it. Out of gas. <laughs> how many times have you ever gotten your spare tire out of your car? Because I've done it before, and it, was, it didn't have any air in it. You go to put it on, and that thing had just sat there and slow leaked all the air that was in it out. But we treat the Lord that way. The only time we want to talk about him, the only time we want to go to him and talk is, oh, it's terrible. Big emergency. Better pop the trunk, get the spare tire out. Only to find out that our relationship with him is kind of flat. Sometimes, you know, we say, oh, Lord, and he says, who are you? Who is this? <laughs> And the thing that I tell you is, would you treat anybody on this earth like that? Did you call friend and it called you friend? No, we'd never do that. And sometimes we only look to the Lord when we're in a tight spot, whenever we're between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. And the thing that the Lord wants is that relationship every day that we go to him and talk to him and make him an integral part of our lives that, we, that, that he's just, he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. Amen? That's how we know he lives, because he lives within our heart, and so he's always there, and we always feel his presence. And, and if he's in the trunk, amen? You know, if we get out his word, you know, when, when, when somebody's coming over, <laughs> blow the dust off of it, we weren't listening. Be like the, I, I heard a, a politician one time, This was, we won't get into politics much, but it was a, certain politician and 
So they were putting him on the spot. This was back in the day when they'd ask questions like this. And they said, what's what's your favorite scripture? Because he was touting that he was a Christian. And (laughs) so he said, it's John 16, 3. And I'm sure his wranglers, you know, his people that kind of, they probably fed him John 3.16. If you ever get put in a pinch, remember John 3.16. And so he got it mixed up. And he said, well, my favorite scripture is John 16.3. If you go look up John 16.3, it says, these things they do because they don't know me or my father. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Reel that one in because we got it wrong. <laughs> And so, ultimately, we don't want to, we, the, the, the word is our sword. That's how we fight the enemy. That's how Jesus, when he was out in the desert being tempted, he didn't go hand to hand with the devil. It is written. It is written. It is written. Sliced and diced him like one of those Ginsu knives you see on TV. Not by wrestling with him but by fighting him with that word. That's why it's so important that we daily get in that word. Get you, uh, 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 subscribe to one of these emails that sends you a daily scripture and don't just hit delete and, and you know, count it as done. Read it. It'll sharpen your sword every time you read that word, every time, every time you open it up. I have been amazed as we have been going through on Wednesday nights. And of course, we're taking a break during August because everybody's busy and back to school and all that. But I've read this Bible through lots of times. And still, when we go through the Bible and studying it verse by verse and chapter by chapter, it is amazing to me. I was pondering on it yesterday about how much I learn every time I open up this Word. It is a living Word. And that's why we learn something from it every time, because it applies a little bit differently. Or I've learned something in in between that, that makes it apply more. And so what we've got to do is renew our commitment to the Lord. We've got to, we've got to not put him in the trunk. We've got to make him a part of everyday life. We've got, to, we've got to make his word a part of our everyday life. We've got, to, we've got to get in there and realize that if we're going to make a commitment to him, it requires something of us. And we'll kind of go back and talk about what's in this, in this scripture. If you love me, do my commands. I don't call you a slave, I call you a friend. I love you, he tells us over and over and over again. And sometimes we get, we get kind of, I don't know, we get on our, our own agenda. And sometimes we lift up people in the Bible and we think, well, they were perfect and they never did anything displeasing to the Lord. And, and you know, there's a real technical theological term for that. That's baloney. Amen. And I was thinking about it actually yesterday quite a bit. And it's, um, it's in the Gospel of John still. And you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. But Jesus here is in, in John 15 is trying to get his disciples ready for him to be crucified. To pay for the penalty of sin. To make them free. And they're not getting it. I mean, you know, you would think spending three and a half years with Jesus himself that you'd get it, but they didn't get it. That's why sometimes I think we're too hard on ourselves. Sometimes we don't get it. And so he's crucified, he dies, he's risen. And one of the inner three, Pete, Jim, and Johnny, that were always there for everything, Peter, James, and John, 
They got to see it all. They got to see the Mount of Transfiguration. They got to see all the miracles. They were the inner circle. Those three were. That's the reason I always refer to them as Pete, Jim, and Johnny, because they were his best friends. You don't call your friends by their, you know, you've shortened it down, give them a nickname. So Pete, Jim, and Johnny. And so Jesus is risen. Not just a few times was he seen walking about the city. Not, I mean, viewed by 500, then 1,000 or more on the, on the day that he ascended into heaven. And what's the next scene? Peter goes back to fishing. Peter, that's not what you're supposed to do. Matthew 28 says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, teach them to observe the things that I have t- taught you. And he's out there fishing. And you know the story. Same way that he came up the first time when he met Peter was the same way. Hey, you caught any fish? Nah, tough night on the, on the lake. Hadn't caught anything. Drop the net off the other side of the boat. And you would think Peter would say, Oh, I've heard that before, but he, same thing. Drop the, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> Show you. He drops the net off. And it's full of fish. And so they're up there on the shore. Jesus has breakfast ready when he gets there. And it, it basically comes down to this conversation. And it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all these? In other words, talking about all the disciples that were gathered around. Do you love me? That's agape love. Love me with no reserve. Love me not because of what I'm doing for you. Do you love me because of who I am to you? Do you love me with no reserve? And Peter said, oh, Lord, you know that I'm your bestest friend. That's phileo. You know I'm your bestest friend. Me and you, thick and thin. But when things got thin, thick, I thinned out. Okay? That's how you know a true friend. When things get thick, they don't thin out. So they take another couple of bites, and Jesus asks him again, and he says, "Um, Peter, do you love me? Agape, with no reserve. Because of who I am, not because of what I'm doing for you. Not because I'm Savior, not because I'm King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you love me just because of who I am? And Peter answers him again. And he says, you know I love you. Again, friendship kind of love. You know I'm your bestest friend. I'm your BFF. And so Jesus, he goes on another little period of time, and he asks him one more time. This time he changes it, and he says, Do you, are you really my BFF? Are you really my bestest friend ever? And Peter said, it says he was grieved in his heart that Jesus had asked him all these times. If you notice, Jesus didn't mince words. Anytime he says something twice or three times, better pay attention. And so he says, are you really my bestest friend? And it says that Peter was grieved, and he said, yeah, Lord, I, I, I do think I am. And the command during every one of these was, then go feed my sheep. 
go and do what it is I've called you to do. Go and do what I've, what I've already commanded you. We talked about the Great Commission, talked about the Great Commandment. Go and do what I commanded you to do. And that's go in all the world. Preach the gospel. And we know that Peter never looked back after that. He was, he was never waffled after that. Now, tradition has it. And this is tradition, extra biblical. But the tradition has it that whenever the persecution in Rome got so much, and Peter was seeing the other Christians thrown to the lions and crucified and all this kind of stuff, that he decided he better cut and run. And then he's outside the city, and Jesus appears to him. And he just says, Peter, what are you doing? And he turned around and he went back. Legend has it that it was whenever Peter was crucified in Rome, roughly about 63, 64 A.D. And sometimes I think about when the Lord's commanded us, go and talk to these people. He had, you know, there are different, different things that the Lord calls us to do. For some people, he calls them to be international missionaries. Pack it all up, go to a foreign country, go to people that you've never met before, love them, lead them to the Lord. For some people, he calls us to be missionaries right where we are. Either way, you, you send the gospel where you cannot go, you spread it where you are. And we're all missionaries. We're all, we've all gotten that same commission, go into all the world and preach that gospel. Tell everybody about me. Tell them to observe the things that I've commanded you. So we're all missionaries in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And sometimes we get so caught up in us, so caught up in our daily lives, so caught up in taking care of business that we forget. And the Lord needs to ask us again, do you really love me? Oh, Lord, I'm your bestest friend then why aren't you doing what I ask? And ultimately, it comes down to this. We've got to renew our commitment to the Lord. I talked about it last week, just, a, just kind of a side glance, how that the church in Ephesus, which was such, a, they were totally on fire. We, we just finished up our study in the midweek about the church at Ephesus and everything that they were. Then, you, you know, you fast forward about 30 years and in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, whenever it starts writing, it starts into the seven letters to the seven churches. Ephesus, I have seen your hard work. I have seen the good that you've done. I saw how you've tested those that have said they're apostles, but they're not, and you've sent them packing. It was the place to go. If you were going to be in ministry, you had to go through Ephesus to get there. They were the people that set people on the path to, to winning souls around the world. And yet he says, this one thing I have against you. You don't love me, and you don't love each other like you once did. Sometimes, we get, sometimes life throws us some curves. Sometimes I... I, I I can only speak for myself. Sometimes things happen, you get your heart broke. Sometimes you try to help somebody and that's the very person that turns around and does, 
just, I mean, basically just, just takes your heart and crushes it. And sometimes it's awfully easy to let our love grow cold. I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember when I first got saved. I was an adult when I got saved, so I remember it distinctly. I, I absolutely was on cloud nine. It was the best feeling I'd ever had in my life. And then, you know, ultimately we all get that, have that experience. Oh, it's just great, and, you know, everything's just fantastic. But then somebody does something, or somebody says something, or somebody acts a certain way. And we get our heart crushed. And if we let it, scar tissue starts to grow. That's what happens whenever you get hurt. I mean, I can, I can show you scars. I've got a scar on this finger right here that I would made when I was probably about six years old. My grandparents had an orchard, and they were cutting up apples to make apple cider. And I was, I'm a big boy. I want to cut, cut up apples. Well, you know, my grandfather was always... I don't know what it was about him. He would always, whatever he said was going to come true. Uh, if I give you a knife, you'll cut yourself. No, 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 no. I know how to use a knife. First thing I did, I've <laughs> got the scar to this day. Why? Because it got opened up and it got scar tissue there. And so what happens is sometimes we get hurt in church and scar tissue starts to get around our heart. And we start not feeling like we once did. I'm not going to open myself up to that again. Because I think we could all, if we've been in this thing any time at all, we can remember a day and a time when we loved more than we probably do now. But scar tissue started building up. And it gets in between there and it, it, and it, it, it harms the connection that there is between us and the Lord. Because it gets kind of cankered. We'll jump in the Wayback Machine. Go back to about 1988. I was still working in a plant then, and I had this little red Ford Ranger pickup truck. And it was, it was my, uh, long story, but basically Angie got it for me. It had a few thousand miles on it. It wasn't much, but hey, it was, it was a nice little truck. So drove it, drove the wheels off that thing. And one day I was working midnights, and I, I came out of the plant, and I get out there, and I put the key in the ignition, and any of you ever had that happen? So I gave it just a second, you know, like we always do. <laughs> Try it again, like it's going to, you know, again. So I get out there, and this was one of those times I usually carried a tool bag in my, on my vehicles because I, I grew up poor, and every vehicle I ever had needed, you'd have to work on it sometimes. We're kind of spoiled to the newer ones. But so anyway, it was, I'd taken the tool bag out to work on something else and didn't put it back in there. So here I am, and the only thing that I've got in my pocket is a little Leatherman tool. So I get out there, and I pop the hood, and I'm looking everything over, and I look at the battery over there, and on that hot lead, right there at the top of the battery, it had that white, crusty stuff that gets, on those, gets on, in between the 
you know, a little bit of acid, a little bit of gunk, a little bit of everything. And so there's that stuff on there. And I, well, man, I've got one of those little brushes in my toolkit. If I, I wish I had that, you know. Put it on there and do the post on the battery, then put it on there. And I don't have that. So the only thing I've got is my Leatherman tool. So I take that Leatherman tool and I manage to get the nut loosened up. I kind of wiggle it a little bit, pull it off there, and there's junk all in there. So I pop open the knife blade and I scrape it out and I scrape the post up and down on, on every side and I put it back on there. Tighten it down best I could with those pliers. Jump back in there. Vroom. No, that battery didn't holler out, hey, I've got canker all over me and I'm not going to crank this morning. Be sure and put your toolkit in there. It just happened. And it reminds me in John chapter 15 where he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And you can't bring forth fruit unless you're connected to the vine. And if there's something in the flow between the vine and the branches, it's going to go. And sometimes there's not any warning. Sometimes it's just one of those things that happens. There gets to be a little bit of canker. And all at once we've gone from really madly in love with the Lord and everything that he's doing to... I'm kind of ambivalent about that. Maybe even a little bit cold when it comes to the things of the Lord. And Jesus says, my father takes the pruning shears, pruning knife, and he cuts off those parts that aren't producing fruit and kind of opens that wound up and lets the sap flow, lets the, the power flow, and it's going to produce more. I took that knife blade scraped on that battery cable, and you know that battery cable said, ow, it hurts a little bit. It's okay. It's going to be all right. The end result is going to be good. And see, that's what the Lord does on us sometimes. We get that, that little scar tissue, that canker around our hearts, and the Lord says, I just want you to love with no reserve. But Lord, you, you know what they did before? You know how they acted before? You know what happened before whenever I did that? It's going to be okay. Let me scrape that canker off there. Get the power flowing one more time. And see, we, we sometimes we just absolutely, it happens and we don't realize it. And Jesus said, if you're, if you're my friend, you're going to do my commandments. And I don't call you a slave anymore. I call you a friend. And I want you to go out and change this world. How are we going to do that? With love. We've got to renew our commitment to the Lord. We've got to renew our commitment to one another. We've got to renew our commitment to people we've never even met before. That like Jesus said, are you my friend? Yeah, I'm your friend. Then go and love people. Feed my sheep. 
So ultimately, it comes down to this. All of us, sometimes, can get those times whenever we've let that canker, we've grown cold, we've grown, we've grown just foreign to the things of the Lord and how he wants us to operate. So it's time to let him take that pruning knife, kind of scrape some of that stuff off. So every head bowed, every eye closed, not going to embarrass you, not going to call you up front. But if this morning you're just simply saying, Lord, I need you to scrape some of that off. I need you to let me love like I loved maybe years ago or maybe a year ago or like I've never loved before. And I realize that there's been some pain and hurt in my life that's caused me to close that off, to, to let that scar tissue, that little bit of canker build up there. And I've been feeling so far from you, so far from the power of God in my life. But Lord, would you take that, that pruning knife? And yeah, I know it's probably going to hurt a little bit, but would you peel that layer off that needs to come off? Would you freshen up? my heart.